We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marr. Today we go behind the headlines for a closer look at former Missouri Secretary of State Jason Kander's decision to step away from politics. The former Senate candidate and Army officer who served in Afghanistan has pulled out of the mayor's race in Kansas City, citing PTSD and depression related to his military service. Kander's been considered a top prospect for a promising future in Democratic Party politics. The question now is, what's the impact likely to be on that political future? Joining me in studio is our political reporter, Joe Manis. Joe? Good Hi. to see you once again. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Well, you're into politics 24-7. Did this, <laughs> did this announcement from uh, Jason Kander come as a surprise to you? Yes, yeah, because um, last time I talked to him at length was a couple months ago, uh, for, and he seemed really upbeat, and this is when he was deciding to run for Kansas City mayor, and I was asking him why he was going to run for mayor instead of running for something else, and... Um, he didn't want to get too much detail then because he was just getting ready, ready to announce. But he he seemed more so than some other statewide Democrats who lost in 2016. Kander has been the one who's really tried to forge a new path for himself and did so pretty quickly. I mean, I had a couple, several long interviews with him over the last 18 months. Um, and so, you know, he's written a book. He's a, he's a consultant on some key cable news shows. Um you know, he started uh, Let America Vote, which is this voting rights group. He's been very outspoken about that. So he seemed to have all his ducks in a row to kind of move into a national um, path. So this was shocking. I spoke to him just a couple of weeks ago, and this is what he sounded like when I asked him about the mayor's race in Kansas City. I'm very excited about the prospect of being mayor in my hometown. Our, our, our town's experienced a, a lot of progress over the last several years, and uh, I want to make sure that progress continues, and I want to make sure that everybody in my, in my city can see it and can feel it. Joe, that's Jason Kander in an interview we did just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Joe, um, what's the impact likely to be on his political future, given the reasons he gave for pulling out? Well, I think um, in the short term, he probably will need to, but but he knew that. I mean, he knows that people will be saying, "Well, is he feeling okay, or is he uh, still okay?" Uh, but I think in the long term, it probably won't affect things that much because um, PTSD and depression has it's treated so much differently than it was forty six years ago, forty seven years ago, when Tom Eagleton was forced off the nineteen seventy two presidential ticket. Um, and it's not so much of a political um, sentence of, well, you can't be in politics. There, there's a number of people who have been confronted with it and have been upfront with it. So in many ways, he's he's getting a lot of praise for being so upfront about um, his battles with PTSD, but also with depression. And Missouri has seen that with some... Um, People who have had challenges emotionally or mentally, and I mean the most stark one is obviously Tom Schweik's suicide. The state auditor back in January 2015, I had just seen him a few days before he killed himself. Yeah. Um, 
So it's, I think people are more willing to accept it when people talk about it. It's not the the thing that it was where people were locked into a closet. It's Let, not treated like that anymore. Let's bring another voice into this conversation. Stay with me. I want to get back to politics. But uh, we're joined by retired Army Lieutenant Colonel Jim Craig, who is director of UMSL's Veteran Studies Program. Uh, Jim, given uh, Mr. Kander's reasons for stepping out, what is your reaction to that? So uh, thanks for having me. I, I, I guess I would say that this is another step of uh, Jason Kander's kind of his his public service. So he's an army officer, and he's he likes to lead, or he was an army officer, and he likes to lead. And he led, uh, you know, at the secretary of state level. He led in the army. He led as a candidate, and he's leading now. It's kind of part of who he is. Uh, he's leading in a different way by being public about something that's so painful and so difficult. But I think this statement actually helps, uh, you know, not politically, helps other veterans understand that it's okay to struggle with your experiences. In fact, a guy like this who seems like he's on top of his game, if you read what he's ta- writing about, he's writing, he's, he was pushing so hard to get away from something behind him. And uh, he finally just decided he's got to turn around and face it. I'm, I'm really impressed with him, actually. What, what is the uh, impact on day-to-day lives of people who are suffering from PTSD and, and depression? So, uh, so he, the symptoms that he talked about in his statement really are very depression-related. Uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, we, we don't see some of the, uh, at least what he wrote about, we don't see the hyper-arousal and the hyper-alert uh, he's clearly able to operate uh, cognitively and in the real world. Um, so, so I think it's mostly this depression, and some of the symptoms are this: like he's he felt like he was running from something, and he could never uh, prove himself. Uh, and so he puts on this front, and those symptoms are very, uh, uh, very normal, and and it just shows that it, you cannot identify. The, the person with depression, the veteran with depression, just by looking at them. If, um, if he decides to run for office again, certainly there will be critics uh, uh, you know, claiming that this is, would be a problem for him. But I would guess, and I'm sure you would agree, and I'll, Joe, I'll put this to you too, the fact that he is a vet and served well and honorably and given his public service that you mentioned, it's going to be very hard to criticize him. Go ahead, uh, Jim. Yeah, so I'd say, I, you know, uh, PTSD and depression aren't deal breakers for being a public servant, right? There are public servants who do this all the time. And in fact, his service seems to have been driven by uh, the demons inside him in some way. And now that if he can get those under control, then he's going to even come back even better. It's going to be tough to criticize uh, Jason Kander for working through issues. It seems like we've moved on from that in our world. Uh, Jim, thank you for being with us uh, and giving us your insight and perspective on all of this. We appreciate your time. No problem. That's Jim Craig, uh, director of UMSL's Veteran Services. What do you think, Joe, about that last comment I made with regard to his service, uh, regardless of critics who might come out, and this is all kind of uh, trying to use a crystal ball here, that his service would uh, hold him in good stead? Yeah, I think so, especially his record and what the other things he's he's been doing. And often... Um, if you're upfront about something, as he has been, I mean, he talked about some of this in his book. And in fact, he has said in the last few days, he's talked about while he wasn't in Afghanistan as long as some people, um, 
and it wasn't like he was in direct combat because he was there as a lawyer. He was in some very touchy situations, and he talked about one in particular where he was in a room with an Afghan general, and they're talking about something, and he's realizing that this guy is not on the up and up, and and he's thinking, I'm going to not get out of this room. You know, as as you know, there have been some very tragic cases, and and an episode like that can do that to you. I personally have a nephew who served a number of tours over in um, Iraq and Afghanistan, and, and it's it's pretty much destroyed his life. And, and he's roughly the same age. So, I mean, it's war is awful yeah. on people, and I think the fact that candor is being up front with some of this and perhaps, you know, the depression as well, that in the long run it will serve him well because at least it's not a secret. You know, I mean, he's he's put it out there. So when he's running, people are going to know that about him. You know, uh, most of us who have never been in the kinds of situations you describe and others have don't really understand what PTSD is. Uh, I've, I've heard people talk about uh, they feel listening to some of the political news these days being bombarded with all this stuff, giving them a form of PTSD. And I mentioned that to a veteran friend of mine, and he said, how dare they? They don't know what PTSD is, what it really is. It's, uh, it can't be equated with that. Well, it's hard for you. You have a hard time sleeping, uh, uh, any sort of sudden noise. Um, it's, in some cases, it's just uh, very difficult. Anything, any, any sort of stress can uh, ignite uh, some of the tension, some of the feelings, um, because this is especially true for, I think, young veterans who – we're in situations where they had to do a lot of shooting or, you know, and sniper, sniper fire and things like that. There was explosive you, devices on the roadways. You don't get over that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I never served, obviously, but, I mean, you don't get over that. Sure. Back to the political part of this story. What is the impact of his withdrawal from this race likely to have on the Democratic Party? Clearly, he was held in very high regard and was a, a great white hope for the uh, party. Yeah, I think so. I think from that standpoint, it's a little bit of a setback for the party for the short term. But in some ways, he'd already kind of taken himself out of the national picture when he announced he was going to run for Kansas City mayor, because that really surprised some people, because there had been talk that maybe he was looking about running for Congress, uh, maybe for the U.S. Senate if McCaskill had decided not to run for reelection or for him maybe to run for U.S. Senate in a couple of years, because he did come close. I mean, he only lost to Roy Blunt by three percentage points, and that was in 2016 when um, Donald Trump carried the state by almost 19 percentage points. So he, he came very close uh, during a huge Republican wave. So in many cases, he his success has made him sort of an example. People have looked at how Cantor did it, uh, what can he? What did he do that we can duplicate in other races? So from that standpoint, I mean, he can still do some of that. And but my point being, when he decided to run for mayor, it did take him out of the picture as far as like for twenty twenty. I thought you know he was intentionally taking himself out of the national picture for some of that. It did give him a platform to talk about some national issues if he had stayed and likely won. But I think he was kind of slowing his trajectory when he decided to run for Kansas City mayor, although it would give him more gravitas uh, as far as running later.
Yeah. Why do you say it would take him out of the uh, running in 2020? Josh Hawley uh, promised <laughs> that he was going to stay on the job, and a year later he was running for a higher office. Well, I guess it depends on the, on the circumstances, but I think that if uh, I mean, if he just won election in, let's say, early 2019, which is when the Kansas yeah. City mayor's race is, and he has to focus on city issues, it's very difficult to mount some sort of national campaign or um, anything like that, at least in the short term. I mean, I, I mean, people were talking about him as a potential presidential contender, but not so much for 2020. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, and in, and in Hawley's defense. Uh, he's running again, while it's for a national office, which is the U.S. Senate, it is statewide. So, I mean, basically, you know, he ran for statewide mm-hmm. office in 2016, and he's basically running statewide again in 2018. It's just a different uh, different office. But as mayor of Kansas City, and just put uh, 2020 out of the picture here for a moment, as, um, you know, established greater cred as an administrator. Correct. Uh, by having a job like that. Correct. And plus, the way Kansas City is set up, the mayor is not quite as hands-on as the St. Louis mayor. So that would give him more time to do some of the other things um, he likes to do, which is to highlight policy things, to highlight where he thinks the country or the urban America needs to go. Uh, the Kansas City mayor has a little more freedom to do that because they have an administrator, whereas in the city of St. Louis, I mean, it the, the mayor, in effect, sort of calls the shots, even though the power is diffused. Uh, well, I, I don't want to get in, get into the weeds between the president of the board of aldermen and the city comptroller, but still, the St. Louis mayor is a bit more hands-on than the Kansas City mayor. Well, you mentioned Tom Eagleton a little while ago, and of course, everyone remembers uh, his brief stint as a vice presidential candidate, and that was derailed because of uh, a diagnosis of depression and shock treatments. Earlier, yes. It's really, it's, it would be unfair to equate the two of them, as you've suggested. Yes, and I think... Um, I mean, I, I knew Eagleton pretty well for several decades, and um, it was a sensitive topic to talk to him about that, and uh, even in the even 20, 30 years later. And um, so I don't want to betray any confidences, but, uh, but it didn't prevent him from having a very stellar career in the U.S. Senate. And, um, you know, he had his quirks like all— uh, <laughs> members of Congress do, and but he was one of my favorite people that I covered because you never knew what to expect when you ran into him in the hall, and uh, if he'd be mad at you or not. But he his feelings were out there, and that was I think probably one of the things that probably caused some personal stress for him, but also made him such a beloved political figure because with Tom Eagleton, what you saw was what you got. And he really, and he really passionate believed in things, and um, and he wasn't one of these people who you know burned down bridges with the other side. I mean, he and 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 Republican Senator John Danforth had a very remarkable friendship. Which let me tell you, it was unusual when I was covering them in the eighties um, and nineties, and it's even more unusual now. The likes that we had in Missouri between those two guys, you probably won't, won't see. I'll be shocked if we ever see it again, even though you know, Blunt and McCaskill work together on some things. But it's not like Danforth and Eagleton, who used to have town hall meetings in the Capitol together with 
average people who showed up from Missouri on both sides and they would do a debate on abortion or whatever. I mean, I remember watching that. And mm. but, but but Eagleton was able to my point about Eagleton is that he was able to sort of confront his demons. Uh, and, and he, you know, but he was aware. He was very self-aware, especially. And I think that's one of the reasons that he retired when he did. Yep. He decided he had some other things he wanted to do, which he did. And uh, but that the pressures of dealing with the uh, U.S. Senate and trying to do that stuff too was just too much. I talked to him on the night he announced that he was uh, that he was uh, not going to run again. It was all about money. He said he was just so tired of having to spend so much time raising money to run the next campaign. Got to leave it right there. By the way, getting back to the Kander situation and the reasons for his withdrawing from that Kansas City mayor's race, depression and PTSD, uh, the phone number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. Veterans and service members seeking help are encouraged to press 1 after Liling. We'll put that number on our website. It's an important number, particularly in the context that we're talking about. Joe Manis. And Jim Craig, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Thanks. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.